Welcome on into the first round fantasy podcast. We are how many days away, Justin, to the NFL season? Oh snap! I wasn't I wasn't on point. I forgot about my hey, mission. Hey, the good thing is it's Thursday, and the NFL season starts on a Thursday, so it should be easy math. Two or three weeks. Yeah, it's either two or three weeks. I can't do the math off the top of my head. Um, but yes, we are in. okay. We are two weeks away. Nice. Pull up my Google Calendar. We are literally two week two weeks from now. We'll wake up Thursday morning and we'll have a game later on this eve that evening. That's going to be Dallas Cowboys versus the Bucks. A lot of fantasy implications there. Um, yes, if you can't tell, we are excited for the NFL season to start. And today we're going to be talking our top fifteen tight ends and the infamous when to draft a tight end debate. I think it's different for everybody, and it's also different depending on what draft position you get, all these different factors. We'll talk about all of that after we go through our rankings. If you haven't already, go check out our quarterback rankings video, our running back ranking video, and our wide receiver ranking video. You can find all of those up on the YouTube channel there. And yes, these last couple of weeks, there haven't been any major news. Um, so we are going to, we do have a couple news stories to talk about. Um, unfortunate ones in our opinions, but uh, we'll get to that. I am your host, Jacob Bartley, by the way, and I'm joined by Justin Morsauce. We're going to be your host today uh, talking about tight ends. So, Justin, we were just talking before the show about some of these news stories that dropped, and one of them is unfortunate for everybody. One of them might be unfortunate only for you and other Daryl Henderson slash Cam Aker owners, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, first up, and I like I mentioned before, on our show – there's plenty of other news outlets for you to go to, but I only want to talk about definitive news. And this is a definitive story. Travis Etienne of the Jacksonville Jaguars has been placed on IR, essentially ending his season. And uh, it is, he has a Lisfranc injury, which is a something I have not heard of commonly, um, even among uh, football players and he yeah it's a foot injury we heard about it a, a, a few days ago and we were just waiting to hear some people thought he was just going to miss some time but he's basically going to miss the entire year now this sucks on multiple levels for people who already drafted etn and keeper in dynasty leagues i mean at least you get to have him in the future and it's not an achilles injury or anything like that but it still definitely sucks because you sacrificed huge draft capital to draft him. Uh, and, and I got hurt by this, by the way, in a dynasty league, I have him and I believe I took him in the sixth, fifth or sixth round. So that's a big player that I'm passing on to get him. Uh, but it's also big news for James Robinson, who last year was a top five tight end or excuse me, top five running back, depending on your scoring. And it begs the question, does he go right back into that spot that he was at last year or is it a little bit more complicated than that first off justin how, how does it uh what about the travis etn news i know it sucks and then where do you think does this elevate james robinson and how high yeah it's sad sad news never never fun to see if exciting rookie get banged up like that it has its pros it has its cons if you already drafted and you draft etienne uh you had a bad day if you have <laughs> yeah. j-rob you had a good day but uh his injury is a pretty freak injury, and it's going to take some time to recover. I'm pretty sure he has to have surgery and then go and boot and then a rehab session. So it's going to be the whole year, I think, for him, right? Basically, yeah. Yeah, so oh, there's that's, no way. That's, that's tough. So 
Uh, I love J-Rob regardless, and I love him even more now. So we haven't drafted yet, and I thought I was going to be able to get him earlier because I'm not a big believer in little quick running backs taking a lot of time over the main dogs. So I was hoping that I can sneak him in a round earlier, but that's not going to happen anymore. So uh, it's just not good because we want every running back that we can get, but it does have a silver lining to it aside from an injury and all that. So J-Rob stock goes way high and anyone who wanted to trade him is not wanting to trade him anymore yeah this is crazy and this is why i love to have our running back rankings or all of our rankings handy in our spreadsheet because i can reference this we did our running back rankings video a few weeks ago i did not have and we only ranked our top 32 running backs i did not have james robinson ranked you had him at 19 with the knowledge that etn was going to play I mean, you have your spreadsheet. How far up are you willing to move James Robinson? I put him in the ballpark of, I have JT at 11, Najee at 12, Demon at 13. He slides maybe above that or right in between. So he he gets slotted up to fringe top 10, top 15. Yeah, obviously I have to take Travis Etienne out. And I had him at 23. And if you look at my list, I have guys like, Let's see here. I think, honestly, I can't go as far as 17 overall. Uh, so I have I would put him right above DeAndre Swift and right after Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, to be honest. But still, going from unranked out of 32 up to 17 is huge. Uh, yeah, I honestly, I was fading him too much because you always knew this was a possibility. Either that the rookie wasn't going to affect him that much in the first place, like you – like you thought, but also that something could happen to this guy. And then the, honestly, both of these guys were premier handcuffs in a way, because if one happens, something happened to the other, the other guy skyrockets immediately almost to an RB one. Now, honestly, I, I don't think James Robinson is, is going to repeat as a top five running back like last year, but I, I do think it's possible that he does finish as like a top 12 running back. I wouldn't rank him there, but I do think it's possible for sure. Yeah, they just have um, more weapons and a, a new fresh quarterback that they want to let sling everywhere. So he's going to have a lesser ceiling, but he's still going to be very valuable. Absolutely. And I will I will tell people, look, when this stuff happens, even if everybody knows about it, it takes some time for the ADP to catch up. Because what happens is a lot of people use whatever software they're using, whether it's like the Yahoo app or whatever, to the, the rankings on there and the ADPs on there dictate how people draft. It's just how it works because the, the picks are timed and people are in a rush and they're like, oh, I'm just going to take this guy. He's high up. It's going to take a while for James Robinson to climb up that ADP because you have to have drafts take place for his ADP to climb. So if you're drafting now or tomorrow or Monday, whatever, you're going to be able to get James Robinson a little bit cheaper than you are going to be in a week from now or you know, drafts that are happening right before the season. So if you're drafting right now, take advantage of that little bit of a discount until we start seeing him go in the second round, which I think is coming for drafts uh, with this guy out. And it's it's crazy, man. Like our buddy Shane, um, the godfather of fantasy football to us, he, uh, he we're, in a, we're in a keeper league where you keep six players and his six keepers are not that great, right? And he had to keep James Robinson because like, it was his only option and look at, and it's funny because he has Daryl Henderson and 
James Robinson as two of his keepers. And with the Cam Akers injury, and then with obviously with the Travis Etienne injury, suddenly he has two starting running backs, and it's pretty crazy. Um, but yes, so that's going to do it for uh, the James Robinson, Travis Etienne talk. We definitely think it raises Robinson significantly. Um, so keep that in mind. But yes, speaking of Daryl Henderson, who I just mentioned, he has a new backfield mate in Sony Michelle. Um, Justin was so sad that I told him about this news as soon as the podcast, before the podcast started, uh, because Justin has Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson in a dynasty league, which that's been terrible for you so far. Um, look, Sony Michelle was not going to be a viable fantasy option on the new England Patriots. The only thing he was going to do was hurt the running backs on the team right now, hurt Damian Harris and hurt the rookie, which has got a lot of hype recently, Ramondre Stevenson, which we could talk about him in a second. So him, Sony Michelle, being traded to the Los Angeles Rams, and by the way, it's for uh, a few conditional picks, and no pick is higher than like a fourth-round pick as far as I can understand. And you got to remember, Sony Michelle was a first-round pick. He had a, a decent rookie year where he was fantasy viable. He helped them win a Super Bowl that year. So – they got, you know, Patriots got the most out of them they possibly can, I think. So they move him to L.A. They clear up their backfield. They get some draft picks, which they're kind of in rebuilding right now. So it makes sense. The Rams needed for real football. I know it sucks for fantasy for the Rams, but for real football, the Rams needed a body there because they lost Cam Akers. They weren't going to trust Xavier Jones and Jake Funk, the rookies. Daryl Henderson the other day had a hand injury and a day and a half later they trade for Sony Michelle. So I look, Daryl Henderson's fine. As far as I know, I haven't seen the latest update this morning, but as of last night, he was fine. So this is just safety measures. This is just an insurance policy for the Rams. So for fantasy football, Justin, how are you looking at this situation? Because I and we're thinking in terms of redraft, right? But even in your dynasty team, are you do you feel comfortable with Daryl Henderson as your RB two now, or are you a little worried? I mean, it was it was bad news to hear, but the more I have time to process it, I don't think it really matters to be honest. Because, for example, I, I go on these forums and I want to get some insight to people who are hawking it and. One guy said, I think people are underestimating how much Michelle's going to eat into Henderson's time. If they were to draft Le'Veon or Gurley, or rather if they were to sign him, mm -hmm. then then I would be less worried because they have some age on them. And I had a second to process that, and I think it's the opposite. If they were to go and get Gurley and Bell, how are you going to sign them and say, hey, we're going to sign you to just sit on the bench and back up? No, the, the only teams who are signing them right now are probably going to want to get some run out of them. Whereas if you trade for a younger guy like Michelle, who's never had an opportunity for some late round draft picks, then it's like saying, okay, Henderson, we're going to run you out and see how it goes. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, at least we have a plan B. But uh, I honestly don't think it matters. It doesn't seem like they gave up too much to get this guy. So I don't think it's an integral part. Maybe a couple random carries here and there. But what do you think? It's going to be a 10-10 split? No. I think mm -hmm. Henderson's going to get 15. He'll get five or something at best. And I think Henderson will catch the passes too because uh, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think Sony's a great pass catching back. No, so, no, no. Um, 
the more I think about it, the more I think it's like you said, just slight insurance. Like, what are they going to do? They have to fill up their roster. So you might as well get somebody who you have some tape on rather than some uh, older dude like Gurley, who's probably going to want to run or just not play at all. So uh, I actually don't care at all. It doesn't change much for me. I never expected a RB1 out of Henderson, but I don't think this makes him undraftable or a flex play at best. He's still kind of fringe RB2 to me. Yeah, I think I agree with you. You know, it, it honestly, I don't think we talk about this that much, but it might help Henderson because you don't want him out there every play. Like You don't need a guy to be to play 80% of the snaps in order to be productive for you. That's, that's rare. Very, very high guys. Don't even are like Dalvin cook, right? He doesn't even play that much of the snaps, you know, very rare for like a CMC or like a James Robinson last year, who was playing 90% plus of the snaps or even a hundred percent, some games. Uh, so a guy like Daryl Henderson, he's not built to, he's not going to do what Cam Akers was going to do. To be honest, he's going to play very different game. And look, I, I don't mean that, like, I'm not comparing Daryl Henderson to Alvin Kamara, but look at the way Alvin Kamara plays. He doesn't have a lot of rushing yards. He doesn't have a lot of carries. He has some. He'll have, like, 10 carries and seven targets, you know? And that's the kind of product productivity you want from Daryl Henderson. You want Daryl Henderson to get six targets and maybe 15 carries, right? You don't want him to get 22 carries, you know? I mean, it'd be nice if he stays healthy, but... He's a small guy, he, and he's had injury history. So having Michelle there might help Daryl Henderson last the whole season and, and you know, being able to take him off the field a little bit more. But you still can get that productive that production from Daryl Henderson. So I don't think it hurts him that much. I still think with the targets, he's a 20-touch guy if you combine the carries and the targets. And Michelle's just there for insurance. He's, he's now the Malcolm Brown role, and – even though that sucked, it didn't, you know, make Henderson or Akers irrelevant in fantasy at all. So I think it should be fine, to be honest. So I just don't uh, understand, like, what Sony Michelle's ever done to justify him, like, eating somebody's time. I, I get it. He's coming into a, a backfield that had an injured starter. Mm -hmm. And you need, I just don't, he's never had a good string of games since. That one little patch of, was it his rookie year that he yeah, came in? Yeah, rookie year know. that he was good. Yeah, that's, that's it. So it's so long ago. I don't even. I don't even let it face me. Prove me wrong. Basically, I'm not gonna let it fade me. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's really just honestly insurance for the Rams. That that's pretty much what it is. Uh, alrighty, let's get into the this tight end discussion. So we are going to go through our top 15, and we just ranked 15 because, like we talk about all the time. You know, we mainly play in 10-team leagues, and most casual fantasy players play in 10-team leagues. And honestly, our audience, we're not experts. We're not mathematicians giving you all these in-depth stats. So our audience is casual fantasy football players. So for me, if in those 10-team leagues, it's about 15 tight ends that get drafted, maybe even 20. But even those even those bot, you know, top 15 through 20 guys are just dart throws in a way because the tight end position dries up shortly. It is the most complicated position to figure out in fantasy football, but there is some guys who, you know, reside at the top and we have our rankings. So I'm going to go ahead and bring up our rankings and 
maybe we'll we'll go through them five, you know, one through five, six through ten, eleven through fifteen, and we'll talk about some of the, the discrepancies on our individual list, and we'll talk about our one deep sleeper that we decided to choose. So, Justin, I'll shoot to you first. Let's go ahead and go through your top five and kind of maybe talk us through your what you were thinking there, putting that list together. All right. So I think the 100% consensus is Kelsey at one, Waller at two, Kittle at three, Pitts at four, Hawkinson at five. I like the list. It was difficult, but I was pretty content with this top five. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think – Kelsey at number one is was an easy one. Uh, a lot of people look. Darren Waller typically is ranked above Kittle, but some people have Kittle over Waller. What is your reasoning for having Waller over Kittle? I just think that with the new quarterback potentially and IU coming up and some rookie, they just have a fresh offense. And I think what you saw is all right, Kittle. Every da- every play, every play, every play, you catch, you know, it was like over usage and we love to see it, but it's not sustainable. So I think they say you're a monster. We know you're a monster. Instead of going 100 every single play, you'll go 180% of the time. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's going to be a little alleviation. Whereas on the opposite side, I don't know what changes aside from Kenyon Drake they made and maybe a wide receiver low end. But Waller is just a, an amazing receiving tight ends so i think as he ages and gets into his prime it only goes up for him like i think in a couple of years we'll see him as tight end one unless pitts is nuts because kelsey's getting a little older so waller's just like the future receiving tight end that is just amazing especially if you play ppr absolutely yeah i i pretty much agree with that so i'll give my top five um i have travis kelsey at number one darren waller at number two george kittle at number three you know, same top three. That usually happens a lot for all the rankings. Uh, I have number four, Mark Andrews, and I have number five, TJ Hawkinson. So I think what's obviously evident here is you have Kyle Pitts at number four. I have Mark Andrews at number four. And, you know, we'll, you know, you have Andrews at eight. I have Pitts at six. So we'll talk about them, uh, you know, those parts of our list in a second here. But let me ask you first, um, why do you feel so confident about Kyle Pitts even over a TJ Hawkinson? I'm just thinking, and as I was putting this list together, you mentioned it pretty much. I'm I'm thinking of Andrews the whole time. I got to list them down because these other guys are beating him. And when it came to Pitts and Hawkinson, it was tough for me because uh, I think losing Julio, drafting a tight end that high, there's talent to be recognized there. So I cannot see a reason why someone like Pitts doesn't get the same bump that someone like Gage is going to get with Julio gone. That offense is just going to be funneled more towards these guys. So uh, I don't like having to draft a rookie that high, but when it comes to tight end, it's kind of like, it's always a gamble. So let me gamble on the boom, 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 rather than a, Oh, you know, it's going to be pretty good. Get, get a couple yards and catches a game. It'll be fine. Maybe we'll get a touchdown. I don't want that when it comes to drafting a tight end this high. So I had to, I had to take a flyer and think Pitts over Hawkinson. But if someone were to draft Hawkinson, I would assume that they like the safe play more than the potential, you know? Yeah. And look, I have, you know, I've, I love Kyle Pitts. I've been hyping him up like, 
ever like even this time last year, I knew about Pitts and I was very excited about him to come in the NFL the next year. And I freaking I have him at six, but I honestly think if you think about this, right? Like if like Jamar Chase, remember how hyped we were hyping up Jamar Chase around the time we did our rookie draft for a dynasty league? It was insane through the roof. We were considering him maybe with the number one pick overall if you needed a, a wide receiver that bad. Like, And obviously that has come down since then. My point is everybody's knock on Kyle Pitts is, oh, he's a tight end. Look at the history of rookie tight ends. They don't produce. The best fantasy season from a tight end ever is Evan Ingram, which was pretty good. Like it wasn't astronomical. It wasn't, you know, Justin Jefferson season last year type type thing so it's all based on what have rookie tight ends done in the past and Kyle Pitts is a rookie tight end regardless of how talented he is how much of an athletic freak he is like he's in the tight end position so that's what's holding him back Kyle Pitts if look so when Kyle Pitts was in high school he he wanted to play the tight end position. His dad saw the trajectory of the position with Travis Kelsey and how it was heading and how his son could possibly be the next evolution of that. And Kyle Pitts literally changed high schools because his coach wouldn't wanted to play him at wide receiver and wouldn't let him play tight end. He changed high schools because he wanted to stay at tight end. So my point is, if Kyle Pitts and his dad weren't so set on him becoming a tight end, scouts, NFL coaches, they are – college high school coaches they would have made him a wide receiver if Kyle Pitts was a wide receiver how would we be talking about him right now honestly I think if he was a wide receiver if he was listed as WR on our fantasy platforms he would be going high way higher than he is now in my opinion and I think when we're talking about our rookie drafts I think it would have been Najee Harris and Kyle Pitts one two no question if he was listed as a wide receiver now the Falcons, a lot of people are talking about this. The Falcons are going to use Kyle Pitts like a wide receiver. He's not going to be lining up like George Kittle and playing pass protection all the time. And he doesn't even, that's not even his game. He plays like a wide receiver. So my point is, who cares what slot you put him in on your fantasy lineup? He's still going to be that productive. He's going to produce like a wide receiver in my opinion and if you have this guy um as a wide receiver to me like his ceiling is like the next calvin johnson like that's that's insane to me so you get to slide that guy into your tight end slot now i'm even talking myself into it i should have him higher i should have him at number four but my point is we can't use this this logic of oh he's a rookie tight end about when we talk about pits in my opinion uh, yeah. Does that make sense? I agree with you, but I disagree with the statement you made. I prefer him at tight end because tight end sucks and I need to fill that. No, slot, I agree. So. No, I'm not saying yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that I, I want him to be switched to wide receiver, but I, I know what you're saying though, but, because look how spoiled we are. We get this guy as a tight, like imagine if any, just choose your guy, like Devontae Adams, you could play him in your tight end position, you know, just, or whatever. Even if it was like, what uh, Jamar Chase, if you could play Jamar Chase in your tight end position, you'd be drafting him like crazy because there's there's only five, six guys that you feel comfortable with that you can play in that slot. So in order to have this guy that you can put in your tight end position, it's such a luxury, to be honest. 
Yeah, I think I looked him up. He's like 6'6", so that's extremely tall for a wide receiver pretty much. There are only a few wide receivers that are 6'6". No, yeah, that's fair. And his height is part of the reason why he plays tight end too. Yeah, I I love him at tight end, and I just I want to see Matt Ryan bounce back and get those high-flying air yards going, and I want him to be part of it. So I just see a potential there that's really nice, and I'd rather have it than – like Hawkinson at five for me was solid. I just rather have the boom on on Pitts because that team is capable of it. No, I agree with you. And look, the reason I have Mark Andrews at four, TJ Hawkinson at five, to me they're safer. And I, and look, I just talked to you about Kyle Pitts, and I'm obviously I'm super hyped about him, love him. But we're talking redraft here. If we're talking dynasty or keeper, I would probably take Kyle Pitts number one, to be honest. Over Waller. No, yeah, because look, that's tough. Waller, Kelsey's 31. George Kittle's about to turn 28. Waller's 28. Oh, I didn't know. We're saying he could, we're saying Pitts could be just as good as them or better by next season, right? And Pitts is 20. (laughs) So if it's Dynasty Keeper, I'm even this year, I'm taking Pitts over everybody else just because, look, it might seem crazy, but if it's Dynasty or Keeper, and you're able to keep one of those guys, why not? Um, yeah, so, but my reasoning for Mark Andrews, look, I just think he's the number one target on Baltimore. All the wide receivers are banged up. But Rashad Bateman's banged up. Hollywood Brown was banged up. I believe even uh, Sammy Watkins was having some trouble recently. So it's going to be the Mark Andrews show. He's going to get a lot of touchdown volume. I just think he's safe. Hawkinson, similar situation. He's the number one target on Detroit. Pitts is going to be the number two target in Atlanta. And I do think his ceiling is way higher than Andrews and Hawkinson. But I just think that, look, he's not the number one target. There is some question marks with how the Atlanta offense is going to run. So move Kyle Pitts a little bit down to number six, but I don't think that's insulting. So let's get to our six through 10. We tease it a little bit, um, but go ahead and talk about your list, Justin. All right. Six, I got Robert Tanyan. Seven, Godert, eight, Andrews, nine, Noah Font, ten, Irv Smith Jr. Nice, nice, nice. Irv Smith, not a homer rank at all. Not a homer rank at all. Uh, what would you say you feel strongly about on this list? I feel very strongly about Tonian. I just think <laughs> I keep referencing it, but it's the magic to be seen. If Rogers really says this is it, this is the last last go, the last dance for the Packers, then <laughs> I don't see why they're not going to just try to blow teams out every single game. So as we saw last year, he may not be a high receiving tight end. I'm, I have to go back and look, but the dude is a red zone hog. So uh, I want to take, take some action in that. So he's fringe top five for me. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes top five, but – I just like, dude, he had 11 touchdowns last year. Like, yeah, I was just going to try to pull that up. Yeah. Give me some of that, you know, that, and in a tight end, if you can't get that Kelsey Waller type uh, Kittle, then give me the touchdowns. And that's what I see in Tony. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I'll go ahead and list my list because we talk about Tanya there. So I have Pitts at six, already talked about him. I have Robert Tanya at number seven, John Smith at number eight, Tyler Higby at number nine, Noah Fant at number 10. Robert Tunyon is being so underdrafted, and it's because of the uncertainty of Aaron Rodgers. Remember how I was just talking about with uh, 
with the ADP taking a while to catch up. So eight, this is a perfect example. It's taking a while for Robert's Tunyon ADP to catch up with how far it was going. He was not even being drafted. He was being drafted at the end of drafts before Aaron Rodgers said he was coming back. And people sense. were able to get him for very cheap because if, if Rodgers wasn't there, would you even have him in your top 15? Probably not, to be honest. And that's huge. And look, every negative take I've heard on Robert Tunyon, and there's a lot of them out there, is there's no way he repeats that touchdown production. It's fluky. Yes, historically, touchdown production is fluky. There's no you know, consistency with it among most players. It's, it's very rare to be consistent with that. But we know there's going, there's no um, mystery around the Packers' offense. We know they're going to be high-scoring offense. We're no, we know they're going to be scoring a lot of touchdowns. It's not that, you know, it's not a random tight end that came out of nowhere on a bad team, who just the team was terrible, but he just happened to get ten touchdowns this year. No, the team is the offense is incredible, one of the best in the league, one of the best passers in the league to this date, and he throws a lot of touchdowns. Yes. A lot of those are going to go to Devonte Adams, but even if he gets eight touchdowns, that's still solid for tight end. And maybe he gets eight, but he picks up the reception and yardage production and it kind of evens out. So look, I don't have him. He, he actually was a top three tight end last year, depending on your scoring format. I don't have him that high, but if you kind of meet in the middle, have him at seven. I think that's beautiful. You have him at six. Honestly, he's being underdrafted, and that's good for us because we can pick him up later in drafts when other people are sleeping on him. And I just remember you have him in your dynasty team, Justin. So, so good for you. Good for yeah, you. I, 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 I played the Chase Smoke card, and I picked up Pitts. Everyone was surprised, and then, dude, and then uh, the you on, have three top tight ends according to your rankings. I, I do, and and this is. To give some insight, I inherited this team. Uh, everyone knows I love the wide receivers, so Chase is there. But I noticed that you know Aaron Rodgers might not be back. I don't have a real tight end, so I smoke screen it and get Pitts early. Then Rodgers says he's coming back. I got Tanyan, and then in the re in the draft for the dynasty, I drafted Irv Smith over some random rookies. So, uh, uh, in a dynasty, I'm new to it, but I see if I have that much roster space, I might as well get some flyers on a few guys as trade bait or future. So it was basically a, a good problem to have for me right now, even though I need some wide receiver help. But let me, let me ask you this uh, in your opinion, do you, you know, the, the, we always say like, all right, a quarterback's going to throw this much. We know Rogers airs it out. And how many times in the past off seasons have we said they need help at wide receiver? They didn't do a thing again this year. So do you think another year under Tonyan's belt is going to give him more uh, receiving looks? Or do you think it still goes to wide receivers that don't necessarily deserve those uh, looks? Uh, yeah, I do think, look, we know Aaron Rodgers is a guy who likes to, you have to earn his trust as a pass catcher, right? So there's there's been people have said that, like, he doesn't throw to rookie wide receivers because he doesn't know them. He doesn't trust them. And so once you get in Aaron Rodgers' trust circle, you're going to be that guy. And look, Randall Cobb's back there, right? So, And we know he's in there, his trust circle. But I don't think that's going to affect Robert Tunyon too much. Um, so, yeah, I honestly think as far as pass catchers go, on, I mean, not talking about the running backs because maybe Aaron Jones is the second best pass catcher on the team or 
second best option for fantasy as far as pass catchers go. But if we're talking about non-running backs, it's got to be Adams, and then I I would have Tunyon right there behind him as far as the second guy that Rodgers trusts. So I'm not worried about it at all. Yeah, I was struggling with it because, you know, we want Lazard to have a good time. Uh, MVS, we gave so many opportunities. Yeah, I I'm just, not I, drafting any of those other wide receivers. Maybe Amari Rodgers in Dynasty, but that's it. Yeah, if, if Tonian can leave the game with five to eight uh, looks, then that would be really nice. That would be really nice. Yeah, for sure. Even if he gets five targets a game like that in Aaron Rodgers' offense, that's going to be highly productive for sure. Um, so I have two guys that you don't have. Uh, mm-hmm. I have Johnu Smith and Tyler Higby, and I think – these are two of the guys that are being very um, underrated throughout draft season here. And I know Jonu Smith has competition with Hunter Henry, but I honestly think they're going to be used differently. I think Hunter Henry is going to be used as just a pure pass catching tight end. And that's what he is. I think Jonu Smith is also going to be used as a pass catching tight end. But if you watch the Tennessee games last year, they were using him. He got carries. He was doing jet sweeps. He was playing like Brent or a, a Debo Samuel, Curtis Samuel type role in, on the Titans. I honestly think this is the first guy that Bill Belichick went and got at like the first day of free agency, like one of the first big major signings. He he loves Johnny Smith. He talked about Johnny Smith last year, like during press conferences, how much he loves him. And this was the very first guy, the greatest coach of all time went and got this guy on the first day of free agency. He probably talked to him several days before and was like, look, I'm signing you. Like, Here's all this money. I'm signing you. Um, he's not just going to be a traditional tight end. He's going to be used like a gadget guy. And I just think that's going to be very productive in this offense. And on top of just the traditional um, tight end work that he's going to get. So I'm not worried about him sharing with Hunter Henry. I think – it's going to be a different kind of role. Tyler Higby, not enough people, and I know the industry has noticed this, but like as far as casual fantasy football players go, you know, Tyler Higby a couple of years ago had a end of the year stretch that was incredible. I think it was either I think it was 2019 mm-hmm. uh, where Gerald Everett was out and he had an end of the five games at the end of the season that literally won people leagues. Uh, and then he was drafted highly coming into 2020 and he didn't do much. Gerald Everett's gone. He's in Seattle with um, one of the offensive coordinators from the Rams, actually. And now Higby's here, and there's not much competition for him in in the tight end slot. And I look, we have Matthew Stafford here, which we agree elevates all the pass catchers on the team. And we know we saw what Hawkinson did last year in his games with Stafford, which was pretty solid. So I think Higby's being underdrafted. And we both have Noah Fant on our lists. You have him at nine. I have him at ten. This guy has <clears throat> has the potential to be amazing. He, If he had a decent quarterback play or even just a quarterback that focused in on him, I wouldn't mind moving him up to, like, number seven or something. If if we knew, like, honestly, if, if Watson was in Denver or something, we'd be having – we'd consider Noah in the top five, you know, so – that's how talented this guy is. I think the only thing that holds him back is the quarterback playing injuries, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting list that we have. And uh, I like the Higby prospect. I just have been burnt too many times by expecting more out of him. Yeah, I understand. Granted, 
granted, last year was just a down year for the Rams, and they still did all right. But uh, I, I just don't see it. Like, okay, Stafford can bump them up, but wouldn't I think that Stafford is going to utilize a nice wide receiving core a little bit more? Uh, a tight end is supposed to be that safety blanket at, at the worst times of plays, and I just don't see that in a Higby right now. So prove me wrong. Let's see if that's different. But I, as far as your Jonu in New England issue, when they signed Jonu, I was like, oh, buddy, this is real nice. That's like excellent. And then what happened right after? The Hunter Henry signing. So it's like, yeah. tell me one time where a dual tight end system produced a high, good tight end that you want on your team. You, who, who do I start? Every week I'm going to be struggling. Do I start him or him? Do I want both of them even on my roster? It's a problem I don't want to have. Although I recognize the talent is there, it just is too much of a problem for me to want to put them on. So separate, Hunter Henry and Jonu both reach my list. But together, it's just such a difficult mystery I don't want to play with. No, I understand. And, and like I said, I just feel comfortable that they're not – competing with each other uh, as far as just like who's going to be the tight end it's it's more about i think they're both going to be on the field a lot for well, sure and then it goes to the next point who's throwing to them i don't yeah, I don't, yeah I, exactly yeah that's that's i don't tough. i don't think mac jones is as bad as everyone says he is compared to the other no kids. he's actually been playing well yeah, so, so when I heard that news, like, if you know me, I never have drafted Cam. I never wanted him on my team. I don't think he deserves a roster spot in the NFL anymore. And I know I'm just armchair. Not even it, as a backup? No, because the ego is too play? strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not worth right. it. No, so he's, like, said, he's said, like, publicly, he's like, I'm better than 32 guys in, in the league. Like, he's like, I'm not a backup QB. So, yeah. so you know, we'll I'm, no, I'm no professional ath athlete, but I'm trying to win a fantasy league. So when it comes down to all these yeah. little details, it actually plays effect. So uh, I just wish that Mac gets the starting job and then I'll like that offense way more because Cam is just prove me wrong again. Well, it would help run. the pass catchers and the running backs if Mac Jones was the help. starter. So it sounds like to help the whole team. Okay, yeah, I agree. As far as selfish fantasy players go like us, uh, yeah. because then – and we didn't really talk about uh, Damian Harris that much uh, earlier in the show, but, like, obviously Sonny Michelle moving out elevates him, and then if you put Mac Jones in the starting role, who's going to get the goal line carries? Him and the rookie as well. I, it's still like a guessing game sometimes with the Patriots, but you take one guy out, it gets a lot more clearer. So yeah, I think we're all kind of rooting for Mac Jones to get that job. Yeah. yeah, It would <laughs> uh, be, nice. could be fun. Um, so real quick, Irv Smith, we've talked about him the least. Um, he's on my, I have him at 14, but what makes you feel so confident in him to put him at 10? I'm sure you watch more Viking games than me. So maybe you're seeing something I'm not. Yeah, the reason I like him there is it's just time. Like, if you watch the Vikings last year, you know, Kyle Rudolph has been a fan favorite for a while, and we loved him, and he had a couple great seasons, but you saw that it kind of swayed away from a receiver to more of a blocker. And mm -hmm. in today's NFL, you don't necessarily want that anymore. You want almost more of a passer than a blocker. Only specific offenses want the other, but Irv Smith is a talented athletic guy like he's been i would say he's been hidden from the league because he's just when he's played he had a couple nice games but he didn't have a lot of consistent runs so it was hard to get a gauge on him 
But, you know, moving away from Kyle Anderson, it says, all right, we're good with what we have here. Let's run him as our only tight end and let him take the offensive snaps. So I'm a believer that he's going to turn that into something, especially in an offense that always, like if you watched us play as the Vikings, we wanted to involve the tight end in the red zone, but Rudolph just didn't have it anymore. So hopefully with this change, he had five touchdowns last year coming at the second half of the season. And if I extrapolate that to entirety, he would have basically he didn't play much the first four games. So let's say he gets eight touchdowns. All of a sudden, just by doing that as a tight end, you're going to be good. You're going to be relevant in fantasy. So I want some piece of that. And Thielen, I think, has one, two more years in him. So they're going to try to alleviate some of those short passes and get the tight end going. So I like Irv Smith. And I don't want to say it's Homer, but maybe it's maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. But I, I just like the outlook. Yeah, I you know, I think there's always a little bit of homerism when we're ranking our own players. And I, I think part of it is that we watch, we pay more attention to those teams and we watch the games more. So I do, I honestly think fans that actually watch the games have a little bit more insight than just a random person who doesn't watch the games, you know, of those teams specifically. And it goes like if I went and watched all of the Dolphins games, I would have more better insight on. Tua and Gesicki, things like that. So I uh, I think it does help a little bit there for sure. Um, all right, let's get to our 11 through 15. I'll go ahead and have you list your list first and maybe bring up anything that stands out to you. All right, so just like wide receiver, I have my, my, my must pick like undercover, and that's 11, Logan Thomas. I love this guy. I'll go into it. Uh, 12, Higby. 13, Gesicki. 14, Jonu. And 15, Blake Jarwin coming back from the from the bad yeah. injury. So that's my 11 to 15. Yeah, so I got uh, 11 through 15. I got Dallas Goddard. Uh, ooh, who we actually, we need to talk about Dallas Goddard. I think that'll be our first thing to talk about here in a second. Mm-hmm. I have 11, Dallas Goddard, 12, Mike Kosicki, 13, Logan Thomas, 14, Irv Smith, and 15, Hunter Henry. So one player in the 6 through 10 that we didn't talk about on your list is Dallas Goddard. You have him at number 7. I have him at number 11. And look, that doesn't sound like a big gap, right? But for tight ends, it is. For mm-hmm. our wide receivers, 7 through 11 isn't a big deal, right? You can probably flip-flop those guys and nobody's going to complain. But 7 through and 11 in tight ends, it's huge because once you get past the top six or seven guys, there's a huge drop-off, hypothetically, um, to the rest of the guys. So I'll, I'll tell you why I have Dallas Goddard so low, and maybe you could tell me why you have him a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. I, I'm worried about – I don't know – even if Jalen Hurts comes out and plays well and is do, and plays well enough for, you know, to make these fantasy players who believe in him viable. So, yes, I think that he's going to be a decent fantasy quarterback because he has a lot of rushing. Yes, he does – he's a capable thrower. He takes deep shots down the field. But I just don't know if – his it was a small sample size last year like three and a half games four games i don't know if there's if he targets his tight ends like if we don't i don't think we have a a big enough sample size to know that i don't know if he's gonna lock in on dallas goddard plus zach Ertz is still there before this year i was thinking that zach Ertz was gonna move on i thought he was gonna get traded to buffalo or something like that and then if that was the case i would feel very good about 
Dallas Goddard. And it's not that I think, you know, Dallas Goddard is a less capable player than Zach Ertz. Dallas Goddard is better than Zach Ertz at this point in their careers. He just is. And it's not that Zach Ertz is going to play better than him. It's just that Zach Ertz is there. Zach Ertz's presence alone hurts Dallas Goddard. So the questions with Jalen Hurts, Zach Ertz being there, I have him at 11, which is still respectful. He's definitely like, if I draft him at at 11 and he's my starting tight end, I'm cool with it because that means I waited and I got better running backs and wide receivers and maybe a decent quarterback. So I'm cool with him as my tight end, but I got to put him down at 11. Justin, you have him at number seven. So what makes you put him so high? Um. It's this one was the hardest one to me because I when I make my ranks I wanna I wanna combat my love for a player versus the truth of a player, and if it was if this was my personal like like emotional list I guess he wouldn't be this high but yeah I gotta recognize his talent so if if it was up to the board for me I might draft Thomas I might draft Andrews over Goddard but Goddard is and. I almost don't care that Ertz is there anymore. I really don't. And if Ertz is there, I think that Godert's the touchdown guy to begin with. So I know last year it was just an awful year for them. Everything was jacked up. Quarterback came in at the end, showed some promise. So I think an offseason and a full year with Ertz is going to do wonders. And I do think like Ertz might get moved early on the season. So uh, if that's the case, Goddard is a big beastly guy that is gonna get his mitts on those end zone targets so i like him there because when you get down to this tight end portion and it's not even that far but it is what it is you can't depend on anything you just kind of have to reach for potential tight end uh red zone targets and i see goddard as that mid-range guy getting hopefully five catches a game with a touchdown you know so uh, uh, the more i the more i think of it i have him too high but the other guys below him are variable. And to piggyback on the Logan Thomas being so low, is it me or does Fitz not really produce tight ends that well? Well, you know, we know he does. He helps wide receivers, right? We've seen him like with Devontae Parker and things That's like that. That's my point, yeah. I, to your point, there's no notable, like, it's not like Mike Kosicki was blowing it up with, with him, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? It was Delonte Parker was the main beneficiary of that. So uh, as you know, if, if there was a long history of Fitzpatrick supporting tight ends, I can't remember it. I mean, let's look dolphins, dolphins, no tight end bucks, bucks. Who do we have? Cameron Brait wishing for OJ. Yeah. And OJ Howard and seat and even Jets, Jets, nothing Texans, Titans, Bills. So that's, but all those teams, he supported the wide receivers, and the wide receivers were great on those teams. But we're making a tight end yeah, list right here. Exactly, so, yeah. So last year, we saw Logan Thomas as – I could call him a breakout tight end last year because he went from oh, undrafted <laughs> yeah. to you want him starting. 100%, like, yeah. So it's I'm troubling because I do think that that offense is nice enough where Fitz can get a tight end relevant, but he doesn't have the track record of that. That's why – this list, that's why Godert's at seven. That's why he's at 11. That's why Higby's at 12. They're attached to their quarterback and their offensive scheme. So it's not, this is more like a combination of, of scheme as it is their personal talent. So Godert at seven is just because he's going to, Hey, hurts you. You have problems. All right. Toss it, toss it, toss it. You know, yeah. that's what I, that's what I think might happen with a Godert. Whereas Logan Thomas, it's like, 
Fitz doesn't have any problems. That dude's going to be slinging it to Scary and Samuel. Yeah, no, it's, it's a different world right there. So yeah, that, I understand. That's the yeah. Difficulty with me putting Godard at seven, but I I I think eleven might be realistic for him given the dual tandem with Ertz. So uh, you have Logan at thirteen, so you're probably in the same boat with me. Yeah, and all, all the things I said, and I never said anything bad about Dallas Goddard specifically. It's just the situation. So to yeah. me, if doubt if Dallas Goddard is a top six, seven tight end by the end of the year, I won't be surprised. Like it's so me having at number eleven is not an insult. So, um, what stands out to you the most for the rest of our list? Anything else? I know there's two guys that we each have that the other doesn't, but um. Other than that, no, I mean, I think one of the biggest discrepancies we didn't pinpoint was the Mark Andrews discrepancy. You, you like him. Um, your, your 11 to 15 is pretty similar to mine, and it gets real soft here. But let me get your thoughts on Blake Jarwin. I mean, Dak is back, so I want a piece of his tight end. If we remember last year, I think we wanted him as a top 10 tight end, right? Yeah, so, he was getting a lot of hype, and then he gets hurt. Yeah, yeah so – if he if Dak stays healthy and Blake is back, I, I like him making a relevant spot at a tight end. So uh, unfortunately, when Blake Jarwin went out, they had another guy, Dalton Schultz, who had a decent season last year. So and he's still there. So honestly, that's the only reason. If if I don't know how it would be possible, but like if for some reason Dalton Schultz was like a free agent and he left, and then Blake they they kept Blake Jarwin and didn't bring in any major competition, I would probably have him at number twelve above Mike Gesicki, but I just don't, yeah, I, I'm not sure about that situation. There, as as potent as the offense is going to be, as high volume as it's going to be, I don't think they can support Lamb, Cooper, Gallup, Jarwin, Schultz, Zeke. You know, it's there's, there's only so many targets that can go around, so I'm just a little worried about that. Yeah, no, it's it's understandable. It's That's the, that's the power of tight ends, man. It's just hard to hard after you get past the three beasts. oh absolutely and it's it's crazy that we basically have the same list different order except our basically our last guy yeah <laughs> basically yeah and i have hunter henry at 15 just because i i do think he's going to get a lot of traditional tight end work and whether it's cam or jones i think they're going to throw to the tight ends uh because cam arm is not doing great so hot these days and you know uh Hunter Henry is arguably the best pure receiver on the team. If you just, if everybody's healthy, to be honest, maybe Nelson Algalore, maybe Jacoby Myers, but Hunter Henry's in the conversation for that. So I wouldn't be surprised if Mac Jones leans on him a little bit too. So yeah, I just, I think it's possible for John U and Hunter to be top 15 guys. Yeah, I hear it. Yeah. And we both have Mike Siki around 12, 13. I just think, He's he's a really good player, and I think if he was like if he was on the Packers instead of Tunyon, I think we'd be talking, we'd be ranking Gesicki where we have Tunyon. You know, that's how talented he is. But it's just he's never, you know, whether it was Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua, you know, Gesicki's been okay. He hasn't been great, but he hasn't been terrible. He's just been solid, and he's maybe one of those last guys around here, like you can get and just maybe not you know, not have to pick up another tight end and stream somebody else unless there's like a great matchup or something. Yeah, um, which, which is sicky. I'll draft him happily at the end of drafts. Yeah. And then you just, you're the rest of your team's going to be solid. So you're okay with him as your tight end. If you wait till the, till the very end, uh, any last thoughts on this main list before we talk about our deep sleepers? 
No, I think uh, I think I want to make a couple adjustments that I spoke about, but overall, I'm I'm satisfied with where I have most everybody. And absolutely, man, I think it might be a uh, good practice to like update these rankings, like at least maybe until the season starts, you know. Oh, yeah. and so, because I already we need to adjust our running back rankings with the with all the changes going on there. So I'm gonna def- definitely touch mine up. So I wanted to dive in on one deep sleeper and. Full disclosure, Justin did say if I didn't choose Gerald Everett that he also would have chosen Gerald Everett. So he chose a different name. But I'm going to go with mine really quick, Gerald Everett. I got to look up his ADP real quick. But this man is being so underrated. He is a very talented guy. He's a he's a athletic – he's very athletically gifted, and he's has pretty good size. And look – I don't think the tight end position there, there's a lot of guys. There's always like a two or three guys in Seattle. Like, I don't think they're going to have one guy who's the man, but with the, with the type of offense that Seattle has and the Rams assistant, uh, assistant coach is now the Seahawks offensive coordinator. So he played with, he worked with Gerald Everett on the Rams and now they're both, first year together on the, on the Seahawks, Russell Wilson essentially handpicked this guy. Uh, I think his name is Waldron, Shane Waldron to be his offensive coordinator because Russell Wilson was very unhappy with the way the offense fell apart last year and how they wanted to run. And, and, you know, Russell Wilson wanted to pass more. So what do they do? They let him, they let him basically choose offensive coordinator. They bring in that offensive coordinator's, uh, one of his players that he recently worked with, Gerald Everett, and now you have a high caliber or at least a high, highly thought prospect in Gerald Everett who just never kind of got it together in L.A. Now with Russell Wilson, now on the Seahawks, if this guy blows up and becomes like a top 12 tight end, I, I honestly will be like, yep, that, that makes sense. So I, I like Gerald Everett a lot. Like he's the only Seahawks tight end I would consider drafting. And honestly, like if I end up, drafting a like I get stuck drafting Hunter Henry or something or even Dallas Goddard a guy that I'm worried about a little bit I wouldn't mind throwing Gerald Everett on my team at at the end of my bench so I have Gerald Everett as my deep sleeper I I agree I love the fit mostly with Russell Wilson it's just kind of like it screams the type of tight end he likes to use so yeah I if he makes a top 10 I honestly wouldn't be surprised at all because I love the opportunity he had in uh, in St. Louis, LA, but yeah, so a great pick, great sleeper. I can see him jumping in top 10 easily. For sure. And you have a very controversial tight end as your deep sleeper. The, a lot of, there's a lot of people that let, let me stop you. Him. Let me stop you. Uh, go ahead. During, during the consideration, I made a change. So if you like, please update it. It's no longer oh, Evan Ingram and we'll talk to Evan okay. Ingram because I think he's relevant. Okay. Evan Ingram is just that guy who was beautiful for a year or two and just something happened. Maybe it's Daniel Jones. Maybe it's a scheme. He gets the looks. He just doesn't, he doesn't change those targets into results. And I don't want any more of it. And I thought it could be a sleeper because if you told me, Hey, uh, he's now the water receiving type tight end that we all want him to be. And he's beast moding it. Oh, I believe you. Great. That's an awesome player, but I don't want, I, I can't, I can't, 
sleep at night if I recommend him to the viewers to draft this guy. No, that's great. So it, what happened earlier was I took a screenshot of our of our spreadsheet and I put it up on the YouTube channel. So it looked like Evan Ingram was still your choice. So now I know the updated choice and I'm yeah. excited to hear this because it's a guy that if I were to make like a top five sleeper list at tight end, he would make my list. Yeah, I, I go with Jared Cook. And the reason it's a sleeper is because I think every year no one drafts him. And then every year you pick him up by week two because you need tight end help. It's exactly, just a, yeah. it's a weird player that doesn't make the rosters but always finishes the year on rosters. It's just – and I like Great him point. actually he more was, here. That I like was him. like in New Orleans. He was on the – he was on the Raiders too. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't he on uh, – am I thinking of somebody else? He was also on the Steelers, right? I wouldn't be surprised, but I think his most two recent teams were the, the Saints and then – oh, the Packers. He was on mm. the Packers, the Raiders, and the freaking Saints. Dude plays for everybody, right? Um, yeah. And the reason I like him as a sleeper is because he's like – he catches big balls and he goes for big plays. So I like Herbert getting better. I think – I know you like Mike Williams, but outside of Keenan Allen, I'm not really high on anybody. Mm -hmm. Austin Eckler is going to do him, but there's got to be room for a tight end because we saw when Hunter Henry was on, he was on. So I like Herbert and his connection with a tight end. So give me a receiving tight end and – in uh la or in charger land yeah no for sure and to to our points gerald everett is being drafted tight end 26 give me that all day as my second backup tight end if i don't take one of the the big three or big five jared cook oh my goodness how but, on all right look we both agree we feel better about gerald everett right than jared okay. Cook. i mean i do honestly yeah I would draft Everett over Cook. Cook is tied in 19. Well, and Gerald Everett is tied in 26. Well, that is crazy. Yeah. But no, I agree with you. I um Jared Cook, look, you have Herbert throwing to him. It's yeah, he definitely could be a sleeper and uh I believe so I don't know if you know this but Austin Eckler is a huge supporter of fantasy football. Like he loves it. He even has he's doing a show with Yahoo this year a fantasy football show called Eckler's Edge. And he went on an ESPN show and he was talking and he's, and they asked him like, who do you want to look, who should we look out for in fantasy? Like who's a sleeper? And he said, Jared Cook. So, I mean, a little homerism, but yeah. Who knows better? But no, he, he, they asked him on his team, who would oh, he say is a sleeper? Yeah. Not just any player on the I Chargers who's a sleeper. And he said, Jared Cook. And who knows better than the guy who's with him at practice all the time? And, uh, and I believe it. I might that. have to bump him up into the top 15 after this show. Yeah, it's, it's very possible. Uh, but, yeah, that'll do it for our tight end episode. Thank you, everybody, for watching this video. Let us know what you thought. Do you disagree with our rankings? Do you agree with them? We want to hear your thoughts in the comment section below. We would really appreciate it. Uh, thanks Real. for joining me today, Justin. Uh, so quick. I, act Yeah, go ahead. We didn't get to talk about drafting strategy for tight ends so oh, much. Oh, my we, goodness. We intertwined yes. it, but wow. if you want, You're we, right. can, we can do another show. No, 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 no. That's a good point. Um, so let's let's just spend about five minutes. Do you have five minutes? Yeah, I got all day. But what yeah, I'm saying yeah. is if you want, since we have this, I know you're going to edit it out. Yeah. Just uh, make it a whole different show, like a five, ten-minute segment. Maybe it would be better for them to have yeah. two different – like tight end rankings and then tight end uh, – Yeah, no, for discussion. sure. And, and honestly, like we – we went through our tight end list um, 
like it took longer than I thought, but I we actually kind of like stretched it out longer than we thought it was going to be. And yeah. of course, I didn't even we didn't even talk about the name of the <laughs> of the video today. But let's let's get into it real quick because that is what we did. We can maybe go about five ten minutes for this. Yeah, but yeah. so tight end strategy. Now that we went through our tight end rankings, I was just closing out the rankings part, guys. I was moving on to the part where we talk about our strategies. Justin caught it early, but yes. Yeah, so let's talk about it. So we. I, I have a mentality when I go into drafts, or not even a mentality. I don't plan to to draft a tight end at a certain spot, but I have a certain way that it always happens with me. I'm sure you do too. Some people do go in saying, nope, I there's a few strategies you can go. And some people go in like, nope, I have to have one of these top two or three tight ends. Some people say, no, I'm going to pass on those, but I'm going to grab a guy in the middle. You know, I'm going to grab – Maybe like I have to get leave with the TJ Hawkinson or I have to leave with a Mark Andrews or there's even I think there's maybe even four. You can go a little bit later or you can go deep, deep sleeper. So, Justin, I'll ask you first, what you know, what do you usually find yourself doing? And then I'll go ahead. So basically, I have a very easy method for me, and it's it's my mind says draft Kelsey, draft Waller, draft Kittle. And if they're not available, punt. It doesn't matter anymore. But I can never bring myself to draft a tight end that high. So it's a it's a catch-22 there. But I, I, when I look at my list, I break it into draftable versus not draftable. So off my list, it pretty much ends with maybe Tonian, so top six. So I might want to get – I don't know his ADP, but for me right here, eighth, ninth round might be – might be my last shot to get a, a tight end. After that, um, I'm asking myself, there's 10 teams in my league. I got to die. I got to understand. Is it a 10 tweet team or 12 team? Then I count the tight ends. So it, we're in a 10 team league in all our leagues. So say all my top 10 are gone. And that leaves Logan, Tyler Higby, Jaseki, Jonu, Blake Jarwin. Not the hottest list, but I ask myself, am I okay with maybe getting one of those guys as the last few picks of the draft i'm okay with that i rather draft i rather have logan thomas at the 15th in the 15th round than hawkinson at the fifth round you know what i mean and that's no on hawkinson that's just the the value i'm getting out of tight end is lesser than i would with a better running back or wide receiver so i i recommend separating your list to draftable versus not draftable and then make your choice in priority after that all right it's the 15th round or 14th round and i got i got irv smith and logan thomas and higby to decide from i'm fine i'm perfect that's cool with me if i leave the draft with one of them at the at that point and then i'll draft my kicker and defense that's how i look at it yeah i know that that's a great way to look at it honestly and i think a lot of people say uh there's been a, a phrase going around great or late. So either draft one of the great ones at the top or just wait, because if you're going to draft a Noah Fant in the middle of your draft, you're passing up on a really good wide receiver or a running back that you probably really need at that point. So you might as well, if you're not shooting for the stars, you might as well just take one of these dart throws at the very end of the draft. Some of these guys that we just talked about a Gerald Everett, uh, a Jared Cook and maybe one of the even if you take two of those guys like you can easily draft Gerald Everett and Jared Cook at the end of your draft and maybe one of them are going to work out so I definitely think that that's possible and I like I said I never go into it 
planning to draft a Kittle, a Waller, or a, or a Kelsey or anything like that. Even now, honestly, in straight-up redraft, Kyle Pitts is too expensive for me. Mm-hmm. It, it's just I, I'm not drafting him in the fourth round. It's just it's, I'm not drafting him over a David Montgomery, like a running back that I can use. You know, I'm not I'm not doing that. I mean, get Montgomery even goes higher nowadays. But just for example, like in what world does Hawkinson score more than Demon at the end of the year? It it doesn't yeah, happen. It doesn't happen, and it's like your your running backs are going to be hurting so bad. Like if you're passing up on a guy like that, it's just you can't afford that. So you can't, but you can't afford to wait and just grab one of these tight ends. So what ends up happening with me is I never draft these, the top three guys. I never end up drafting a top four or five tight end. I just never do because I'm like, look who I'm passing up on. I'm passing up on Terry McLaurin. I'm passing up on T Higgins. I'm passing up on, you know, these, some of these running backs that are reaching top, like I'm passing up on a Daryl Henderson. Like I'm not, passing up on these key positions to draft, you know, a guy, look, of course I'm going to love them on my team, but every time I do a mock draft or something like that, where I take a Kelsey or Waller, I hate my positional players. I just, it just ends up happening. And you know, and, the sad part is yeah. like Waller finished in PPR with 278. To put that in perspective, Justin Jefferson finished with 274 and Ridley with 281. A- am I going to be able to, get one of those guys and then draft Waller. N- no, you're not going to be doing it. I, I might even say Waller goes in the same realm as those guys justify. No, you're right. You're right. So, and I was maybe talking more about the Kyle Pitts range as those, some of those guys I was listing, but, but no, you're right. Cause Kelsey and Kittle or Waller and Kittle go second, third round. No, my point is in agreements with in agreements yeah. with you. It's, it's the idea of, Either you draft the best guys and miss that top end because they are the top end, but it's tight end. And I think a lot of people have issues with, okay, so I got my two running backs. I got one wide receiver. I need to fill out my tight end spot. Okay, let me reach and get a t- – oh, Hawkinson's there. But is Hawkinson going to get the same points? Like, dude, Juju Smith-Schuster, Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones Jr., Robbie Anderson scored 220-240. You know how many, how many points Hawkinson ended up with last year? 173. So as much as you want That's to fill your roster, as much point. as you want to fill your roster with a, a tight end, I got my wide. I rather draft my wide receiver three to play a flex than to play a running to play a tight end just because I need that slot. So mm-hmm. I, I, you got to understand at the end of the day, it's a total accumulation of points, not positional points. So I don't care if I get twenty five from my flex and five from my tight end, as long as I get thirty out of both positions. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, that is a Perfect point. Yeah. Yeah. It, it tight ends the most tricky to draft, the most tricky to draft. No, and you for sure do have an advantage when you draft these those top tier guys, right? But I just think basically we're saying if you don't get an elite, elite guy, just wait. Because you're you can get like nobody would ever think like that Juju is gonna help your team more than Hawkinson is, but hypothetically he could. And uh, yeah, I just think there's there's well, different ways you can go about it, and I I I find myself always when it comes down to it, real drafts, I never draft these top tier guys. But I will say, if I'm and I, look, this is most people don't play in dynasty or keepers, but if I'm playing in a dynasty or keeper draft, I actually will overpay for one of these tight ends mm-hmm. because and you drafted Kyle Pitts, 
in, in our dynasty league. And it was a good move because in those leagues, you have time to build the rest of your roster, right? So you have to solidify that tight end position. And I don't want to go years. Like I'll go a season in a redraft team without with streaming tight ends, right? I'm not going multiple years on a keeper team or a dynasty team where I have to uh, stream tight end every week because then, I, then I'm dropping players that maybe I have to hold one or two tight ends. And then if I need to stream one, when the other's on a buy, like I'm dropping players that I don't want to drop and it just gets too complicated. So I would rather have a top five guy in the keeper dynasty league, a hundred percent because then neck, maybe next year I draft a Justin Jefferson in my rookie draft and boom, now, now I'm building the rest of my team around that tight end. And I'm in, I'm in a, a six keeper league that I really care about and our, our home dynasty league that I really care about. And both in six keeper league, I have Kittle because I'm not dealing with streaming tight ends. And in our dynasty league, I have Hawkinson. I, you know, I had Andrews and Hawkinson traded Andrews, but I have to have one of these guys that I can just set it and forget it in those type of leagues. Do you agree with that or no? Oh yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Like, uh, the goal of a dynasty seems to be reduce as many headaches as possible. So if you can exactly. solidify a tight end, then you're good. Um, you know, but actually thinking about it, I've gone like three layers deeper. So with now this line of logic known, I think in even speaking redraft only, I think I'm more content reaching for a tight end such as Waller now and Kittle than I am a wide receiver because if I'm still 25 deep and have a relevant wide receiver, then maybe I can skip a, a Calvin Ridley and DK Metcalf and live with a Keenan Allen and have Waller on the back. So if I were to draft, say, Kamara, Cook, Henry as one second round draft Waller, do you think in the third round Keenan Allen's going to be available in a 10-man league? Maybe. He's great yes. right there. Yeah. So it makes me think as maybe I maybe I should reach because the tight the tight end spot. If I could get 20 out of my tight end spot and get instead of 30 in my wide receiver, I just get 20. I got to do the math, but you understand what I'm saying. That may, yeah. that may mean draft the top three guys if 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 you can get them because they're actually a lot of yeah. those three are so valuable. And that's basically what we what, <clears throat> what yeah. our point is here. It's maybe it's boring because it's what most of the industry says is like you know draft one of these top guys or wait, but. It's kind of true when you're comparing what you're getting and what you're passing up because, look, you can find wide receiver replacements, right? You know, maybe you downgrade from a Ridley to an Allen, right? Which is – that's not too bit too bad of a downgrade, right? And then you go later on in your draft, you pick up one of these guys with high upside, maybe like a Michael Gallup or something like that or a Tyler Boyd. And now maybe instead of Gerald Everett – and Calvin Ridley and some random wide receiver, your, you know, your Waller, Allen, and Boyd, you know? So it, there's, it just there's depends. Just, there's so many different strategies you can do. There's just no other position that has such a discrepancy between the top end and the middle. Like, it's just Waller had 50 more points than Tanyan. Like, you, it's insane. Like, that's significant. No, that that's definitely a good point. But yeah, so yeah, now that we've covered um, when to draft a tight end, thank you for catching that, Justin. That is going to do it for our video. Did you have any last thoughts before we wrap it up? No, just uh, my one takeaway is if you draft Logan Thomas, I don't think you'll be upset this year.
That is definitely a good one. And I will say, this is actually my first time telling you this, Justin. Our next show is going to be basically, um, it's going to be basically we're going to put our most, our best underdogs, our, our favorite underdogs uh, forward. And we're basically going to choose a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, and a tight end. Nice. And we'll basically, it's our all underdog team. And it's basically guys that we believe in who we think are being undervalued and underdrafted. And it's basically guys we're planting our flag on saying, I think this guy is going to be a value this year. He's going to outperform his ADP. And so basically it's our guys, our favorite guys in fantasy this upcoming season. And maybe that's a hint towards your tight end position. Maybe you'll be choosing Logan Thomas in there. We shall see. Also, Justin, we need to talk because you have three very valuable tight ends in Dynasty. I have one, so maybe we should even that out here. I'm it's trade, baby. If one of my guys, if my guy gets hurt, I'm screwed. I don't like that. So maybe we could talk about Tanya. And I don't want to take Irv Smith from you. You're a Vikings fan, and obviously, Kyle Pitts would cost the world. So I'll settle with yeah. Tanya. We'll work out a trade. Send um, me we'll, send me those offers. Yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But that's gonna do it for this episode of the First Round Fantasy Podcast. Thank you again for, for watching and shoot us some questions. If you have any questions on tight end anytime, um, we'll address those on the show. Um, yeah. And look out next week. Probably we'll aim for Thursday because we've been doing Thursday, but yes, we're going to be choose, uh, choosing our all underdog teams, our best values in this upcoming season for the 2021 season. We'll see you then.